Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This is the John Oakley Show podcast. A time of extreme measures. And to that end, uh, we've been citing, you know, the American model. I saw a press conference at lunch. They're talking about a trillion dollars and uh, something maybe akin, if not more so, than the bank bailout of 2008. On that matter, too, uh, if we're heading into those kinds of situations, Jerry Diaz was writing an op-ed piece yesterday in the National Post, and uh, I was reading with interest as well, where at the Cami plan, the Ingersoll, they decided that uh, they'd like to stand down and uh, get away from the production line. Found that to be, well, rather interesting and uh, deserving of some comment. So let's find out from Mr. Diaz exactly how he sees and assesses this entire situation. Jerry, good to have you back on the Oku Show. Good afternoon. Always a pleasure to be on your show, John. Jerry, by the way, what was the thinking at the Ingersoll plant to uh, basically suggest to the company, uh, hey, let's draw down? Well, our members are, are are just like everyone else here in this country, and frankly, globally, people are concerned. Uh, there's a lot of questions that need answers. Uh, there's a lot of uncertainty. Uh, we have thousands of people in assembly plants, of which we know, um, you know, the you know, whether or not they've been exposed to someone who has the virus. But there is a genuine, legitimate concern right across this entire country. Uh, the Windsor Assembly Plant Chrysler was down for 24 hours. Why? A woman came to work whose husband was quarantined, who worked with a doctor that had contacted the virus. So people are nervous, and justifiably so. So, you know, it, our members in CAMI and the leadership want to err on the side of caution. But what we're doing as an organization, we're really listening to the medical professionals. Um, I'm trying not to, uh, to jump to conclusions myself. I'm waiting to see how things play out, but we don't have a lot of time. So I really am depending on the medical experts to tell us what makes sense and what doesn't. So I am as concerned as, as everyone else about where this is heading. Yet it's interesting because the province yesterday in declaring the state of emergency, uh, that... Also, uh, it doesn't apply to uh, manufacturing plants or construction sites, for example. You think it should? Well, it all depends on what's happening in the plants. I know that we have done a, a major job of ensuring safety when it comes to sanitizing, uh, checking. There's a lot of stuff going on on the plant level. People are keeping a decent distance. I think there's the underlying question about what happens if everything is shut down. Does this make 07, 08 uh, recession? Does it, does it dwarf it? What does this mean for people? What does it mean for the income? Will they get some relief on their mortgages? Will they? So like I said, there's more questions than answers, and I think that's why Bill Morneau's um, uh, press conference is going to be so important. I spent a lot of time talking to uh, politicians, both provincially and federally, and some of the issues you raise is exactly what we're talking about. Unemployment insurance, having a one-week waiting period doesn't make any sense. Um, those workers that don't contribute part-time, uh, non-standard, contract, 
you know, what happens to them? What, this can't be a question about who qualifies and who doesn't. This can't be a question of part-time workers that work in restaurants and hotels not qualifying. We have to find a way to make sure that people can feed their families because the economic fallout for not being proactive today is going to be much more significant. So we really need to come together and we need to say, how do we do this, not can we? Help me out here then when we talk about uh, income assistance and yeah, I know that uh, we would say, hey, folks who don't qualify for EI can't just let them slip through the cracks here. I was saying just, you know, off the top of my head, I mean, uh, the basic guaranteed income may be a model going forward if we learn anything from this. I I don't know. I don't know if that has merit to it. I'm sure you would maybe support that. But uh, is that one way of looking at this? How else would you get money directly and immediately into the hands of people like, you know, musicians who play in bars that are now closed, waitstaff, you know the drill. I mean, busboys. Yeah. Well, do I ever? Uh, if We need to take all that and put it aside. We need to say, you know, we have previous programs that worked that got canceled, but should we reinstate them for a period of time? The answer is yes. One thing I do know about the unemployment insurance plan, governments historically have always used the surplus to pay off the debt. Like it's got to be the oldest trick in the financial, oldest trick in the financial playbook. Enough is enough. Uh, the money is for workers, and it should be used for workers. So uh, we are feeling it. I, I have an organization of 315,000 members represents people in the 30 largest economic sectors in the country, and we are just getting hammered. I was just at a meeting, if you could imagine, with Sunwing, uh, where we have 370 pilots, you have flight attendants, you have the office staff. They're shutting down. They're announcing mass layoffs today, complete shutdown today uh, for an indefinite period of time. We have hotel workers that are on layoff, uh, part-time workers that are on layoff that as of right now will receive no money because they don't have the necessary hours to qualify. I have members, if you can imagine, that work in hospitals, long-term care facilities, nursing homes, who are scared about what is happening, what's happening in their workplaces. They're doing the best they can, but they're understaffed. So if you take a look at what's happening today, were we prepared for it? The answer is no. I will argue. Why? Because if we take a look at some of the cuts that have been imposed on us over the years, think about the dramatic cuts to health care. And here we are today saying, please come to work. You have to work double shifts. Yes, we know that there's, you're nervous about exposure. So these are all things that have been important issues for years and are now being highlighted today. I have members in the airline industry that are, that are absolutely nervous. Air Canada is going to cut 50% of all flights. I can walk right through casino workers belong to our union. They're right now they're unemployed. And they're in their waiting period to see, you know, I can go on and on and on. But this is getting worse before it gets better. I hope I'm wrong. I think the measures that governments are taking, they're, they're, they are reacting um, as they need to. But ultimately, I think we need to do more because once we get through this, and we will, we have to make sure uh, that we have a plan for how we're going to put people back to work and how we're going to stabilize the economy. Again, with Jerry Diaz, he's a president of Unifor, uh, talking about the ravages to the workforce in all of these different permutations here, as he cited across the board. You know, let me just back up, because you say you represent on the airlines. I mean, I saw where Trump was talking up, uh, there's going to be money made available to the airlines, understanding the severity, you know, these these big carriers could go out of business. Uh, cruise line, same thing. But then it comes around to, just like the auto bailout in 08, 09, uh, do we pick winners and losers, or do we care about, I mean, how do we determine which industries ought to get some kind of relief money? 
You know, I never did buy the argument about winners and losers or whether or not the auto bailout made sense. Because could you imagine the state of the Ontario economy today if the auto industry wasn't here? So I can always argue for every dollar you invest, you realistically get 100 back. So if I'm a betting man, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a dollar for 100 anytime. But it boils down to what type of a nation do we want? What type of good manufacturing jobs do we want? Uh, do we need manufacturing jobs in, in order to have a sustainable society? And I will argue yes. So there's going to be some short-term pain for a lot of people, and we have to alleviate that as much as possible in order for us to regroup and grow once we get through this. But we have to make sure uh, that we maintain uh, the, the key elements of our society that will be relevant and important and necessary for us to take the next step when we get through this. And by having wholesale closures of industry is not the way of doing it. I lived the 2008, 2000, uh, 2007, 2008 recession that was caused by the banking industry, you know, the whole Lehman's Brothers. And I can tell you that there are hundreds of thousands of less jobs in the manufacturing sector today. Why? Because when the jobs came back, they didn't come back to Canada. And that's why the whole NAFTA argument and where the jobs were going became relevant uh, to, uh, to Canadian workers. So we have to make sure that we don't allow our basic foundations to fail during this time period. Jerry, you talked too about strategic stimulus uh, as large as 4 or 5% of GDP. Uh, what kind yes. of what kind of figure are we talking about here? No, there, there's no question about it. We're talking a lot more than 300 million dollars that uh, that the Ford government announced today. But look, I'm not knocking I'm not knocking the Ford government. I'm just saying it's going to take much larger numbers than that. So we need to talk, you know, hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, well, that's got to be that's Jerry. Excuse me. That's going to be tens and tens of billions of dollars no, if you talk. Excuse me. I was I was heading there. We're, we're, we're not talking hundreds and hundreds of millions. We are. We have to talk billions. Uh, when we're starting to talk about how do we preserve some of the major industries in this country. And you're right, if we end up with a failed national carrier, for example, such as Air Canada, and that's not going to happen. I believe they've got the, you know, their pretty strong checkbook. They've got a strong balance book right now. But could you imagine if we ended up with those types of, country, of, of companies in bankruptcy? It's not going to happen. But we can't go back to the 07, 08 times of massive bankruptcies and then start from there. You also talk about supplementing the lost earnings for a large number of precarious workers. How do we do yes. that? Well, we're going to have to find money. Uh, this is not a time where, we, where we're going to start talking about balancing the budget because it's not going to happen. You can't deal with this type of a, of, a, of, a, of a virus, the type of impact it's having on people globally and the world economy and saying, listen, my preoccupation is with balancing the budget. I don't think that's in anybody's mind today. No, I don't I think, think so either, Jerry. I was just going to say logistically, how do you do that? How do you implement that based on what criteria? Well, first of all, I think you're going to have to take a look and say, what are people earning? Um, the way unemployment insurance is structured right now is a percentage of your earnings is the maximum that you can collect from unemployment insurance. So I think we need to look at that model. Um, our workers in precarious, part-time, non-standard, you know, even freelance jobs going to receive, you know, 100% of their pay? The answer is no. Uh, but they should receive, in my opinion, what workers would maximally receive on unemployment insurance. Yeah, some say uh, that's 55% of insurable earnings. Uh, others have even submitted, you know, going as high as 85 90%, just topping it right up. Well, that's fine. Like the, the more, the merrier, in my opinion, as we get through this. So do I think the current structure of EI is, uh, is the answer? The answer is no, but it's better than, you know, but the enhancements we're talking about is much better than the current formula. 
But there is no question. The last thing that we can have happen here is take away the the income uh, survival for people. People still need to maintain their purchasing power in order to keep the economy going. And we are dealing with an academic of proportions that we have not seen, one can argue, and we need to deal with this dramatically and as drastically as possible. Yeah, we got to get around to uh, creating consumer demand because it's going to be demand-driven. Jerry, appreciate you coming on and advancing the conversation. It's always my pleasure, John. Have a good day. And you, Jerry Diaz, National President Unifor. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.